Movies and Booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer. This is not just food. This is M&S food. A martini, shaken monster. Of all the gin joints in all the world, she walks into mine. It is indeed uh, time for Movies and Booze. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk 087-1400-106 is our WhatsApp number. You can send us an email to afternoon at newstalk.com. Just to remind you, this day week, uh, we'll be back down again in the Triscoll Arts Centre in Cork City Centre uh, with the usual uh, mixture of movie reviews, wine tasting, uh, lots of music and a few uh, very interesting interviews we'll be doing as well. If you'd like to be part of that audience... Uh, that's in uh, conjunction with our friends in Marks and Spencer. You can go to newstalk.com forward slash events uh, where you can get your tickets there. Newstalk.com forward slash events. That's this day week. So obviously you have to be free to come along uh, between half one and four to the Triscoll Arts Centre. Just in the subject of redheads that we were talking about, John in Cork says to the woman who, who uh, crowbarred in her concern about twins, tell that woman asking about the twins that it's passed down the maternal line. If her mother or grandmother had twins, then it is more likely, uh, says John. Of course, we have no idea if John has any qualifications in this area whatsoever or he just made that up. We don't know. I just read them out. Uh, Ellie says, I'm a redhead. And when I had my first baby, a midwife walked into the ward as I was breastfeeding and declared loud and clear for everyone to hear, Oh, good. You don't have redhead nipples. That should make feeding easier, uh, says Ellie. I don't know if any of our guests in the studio have redhead nipples because we're not going to be broaching that particular subject. But it is uh, Dean McGuinness, Chris Wasser and Rachel Ryan. Good afternoon to you all. Uh, So oatmeal beer, have we ever done this before? I don't think we have. And I've I've hit the only two days of good weather that we have in the entire year and decided to do two dark beers one of which is 13.4% so I've misjudged <laughs> on, the, on the weather slightly but um, there's, there's a kind of a uh, a slightly pole dark vibe with the first one it's a Moosehead Small Batch Oatmeal Brown Ale and it's the type of beer that you'd imagine some kind of well tanned glistening topless guy with a scythe and curly brown hair <laughs> drinking okay. um, when he's standing up. <laughs> Stop describing yourself again. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second one, it, it will take a while. We, we'll uh, fill up the time between now and the the first ad break with Ilch J. Lekkerbachske Kobe Imperial Oatmeal Coffee Bourbon Stout. Catchy. Right. So, Good yeah, title. Yeah. So, uh, would it be fair to say they're both stouts or you'd look at it and think it was a stout? This one is a brown ale, which ah, is right, uh, okay. a style that, that gives me nightmares because when I did my beer smelly exam, I was given a brown ale and you were told that you had to identify what the beer was by style. So I looked at it and I said, it's not a porter, it's not anything Belgium, so that rules out quadruple. It's definitely not a, a West Flanders ale, a West Flanders um, red or brown ale. It's not a new broom. Um, it's not anything lambic. It's not a fruit beer. All I can say about it is it's definitely an ale and it's brown, but I don't know what you want me to say. And he said, do you want to know what it is? <laughs> <laughs> he said, it's a brown ale. <laughs> right, OK. okay yeah. I said it, just not in that order of words. Uh, and do we need a, a remake of, of uh, um, the, the Little Mermaid? Probably Chris? not. No, no. no. That's the, yeah. I feel like every time we come in here, we're talking about Disney remakes that Isn't are on the way. Isn't it depressing? Yeah. But we actually have one this week. So, yeah, we'll be looking at The Little Mermaid with Halle Bailey, not Halle Berry. Uh, I know. Does that, that must be really confusing. A little bit, bit yeah, yeah. yeah. Halle Berry was actually, she pointed that out on Twitter the other day, you know, the, that, you know, we're not, I'm not in The Little Mermaid. Um, <laughs> but she might actually be pretty good in a Disney yeah. remake. But, yeah, we're going to look at that and we're also going to look at uh, Ben Affleck's Hypnotic. 
which arrives, what, maybe five or six weeks after the last Ben Affleck film. Except this one is not based on a true story, and this one is more of a sci-fi thriller, sort of in the Chris Nolan vein of Yeah, I can see there, yeah, there's lots of, I can see there's posters on buses and things. There are, yeah. Kind of pushing it Yeah, he's standing in front of Domino's, which is, you know, doesn't tell you you anything. Optimism, or tell you anything. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, but we'll get to that. (laughs) Okay, all right. Uh, uh, right, John has responded. That's the man with the uh, advice about the uh, uh, the twins. He says he's a biology teacher. Really? Oh. Three o'clock on a Friday afternoon? <laughs> <laughs> Your pupils are getting a hell of an, an education then. If you're sitting back wondering what uh, what, what beer Dean has opened. Uh, right. Uh, an actual original movie uh, is is the bar. Is it next month? Barbie's coming out. I'm so excited! It's July twenty first. I cannot oh. wait for the Barbie movie, as I'm sure you can, Sean. No, counting oh, oh down the days. Um, yeah. So that we have the very first full trailer for Barbie was released last night. Now we had a bit of a teaser about a month ago, but this is the full trailer and we see a bit more about the plot because you know we saw what it was like visually Margot Robbie is Barbie Ryan Gosling is Ken they look great but what are they actually going to be doing and it looks more intricate now I have to say than I thought so I thought they were just going to stay in Barbie land and have a lovely time uh, but we see in the trailer that they actually Barbie has a bit of a, a crisis a kind of existential crisis and she decides she needs to find out more about life so she leaves Barbie land and she goes into the real world ah so this is what we see in this trailer and Will Ferrell is in this and he plays it looks like he's like the CEO of Mattel the the company that make Barbie and they find out there's a real Barbie in real life and they're freaking out and they basically try and hunt her down to put her back in her box physically and metaphorically (laughs) so I think it's going to be really really funny but I also think there'll be a few kind of deep lessons all about like not stereotyping yourself and not putting yourself in a box, you know? Uh, yeah. So it sounds yeah. a bit Toy Story-ish. Toy Perhaps Story even. is um, well, there's a lot of toys and boxes. CGI. Yeah. Like, well, I think I think Toy Story is pretty different. Yeah. And this is because they're all this is in real life. They're real actors. Uh, maybe a little bit Toy Story, but there's no other toys except for Barbies and Kens. Uh, there's a Whopper cast in this. Dame Helen Mirren is in it. Um, America Ferrara is in it. Nicola Coughlin from Dairy Girls is in it. She plays a Barbie called Diplomat Barbie, and. Everyone cool. who's a Barbie is like a, a type of Barbie that actually really existed mm. over the years. And yeah. that's kind of who they're playing. Um, so I think it sounds really fun. Margot Robbie was uh, a producer on this. So she's really passionate about the project. It's been in development for years. Greta Gerwig is directing it. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'll, I'll be really surprised if it's a letdown. I don't think, I think it's going to become one of those cult movies that we'll mm. be talking about for years. Uh, I'd say they wanted to be more than a cult movie. I'd, I'd say it'll make a fortune. Yeah, uh, that's it looks a little bit like this weird cross between Don't Worry Darling and The Truman Show. You know, that realism oh. that yeah. you're in a constructed <laughs> reality. Go and see the bigger world. Um, but Will Ferrell being in it actually gave me Lego movie vibes as well. Like, imagine, yes. like if it, if the Lego movie was live action. I think it could be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think it's going to be good. Yeah. But I'm intrigued though. To live in Barbie land is to be a, a perfect being in a perfect place. Unless you have a full on existential crisis. Okay, as you described it there. Or you're a Ken. So what does yeah, the Ken mean? I bit? think like, so Ryan Gosling, I feel like Kens are gonna like they they kinda don't know they, they know less even than Barbie. They're all living this perfect life, but they don't know anything is what I feel like. So basically Barbie has this crisis where she realizes life can't be perfect this whole time. And in the trailer, so basically in the first trailer, we see that Barbie's feet, when she takes them out of her heels, never leave the heel shape. They always look like she's up on her toes. But one day she wakes up on her feet are flat. And they're all like, oh my God, flat feet, that's disgusting. So she goes off to find out, you know, the truth about life. But I kind of feel like Ken 
isn't that much of a thinker. He just kind of goes and he goes along with her, but he doesn't. He's I don't I don't want to say a mean word, but he's a little bit, you know. He's not well. I mean, not an, as doesn't in, think too much. As yeah. Ken in Toy Story wasn't that bright. It, exactly, he's just kind of looking good and having a good time and doesn't think beyond that. Okay, so but does he? Does he go with her out on he this adventure? He goes into the world? with her. I don't yes. think he's supposed to, but he sneaks in the back of her Barbie car and they go off together to have a great time. Okay, yeah. Does he? I wonder. Does it address when they go out into the real world? Do they develop genitalia? Ooh, that's, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, that's the first thought I had. Yeah. Well, you know, they suddenly get flat feet and they go, "Oh my God, what's this, Barbie?" Because Margot Robbie says that they are um, Barbie sexualized, but she's never sexy. Yeah. She doesn't know that she's sexy. She's just like a nice, kind-hearted person who. And they talk about it in the clip. Barbie and Ken have a conversation. He's like, "Maybe I'll stay over tonight," and she's like, "Why would you do that?" He's like, "I don't actually know." So oh, it's all very that's kinda sweet. It's all very sweet and PG. But it answers yes to my question though. It totally does. Yes. Oh actually that's true, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. uh, Dex says most secondary school uh, school uh, most secondary schools finish at one thirty on Fridays. What? Lucky fecker. I don't remember. Not in my either. day. Not yeah. in my day either, no. No, yeah, they, yeah, they no, do now. They, they do. My partner's a secondary school teacher, and yeah, she finishes around half two. Is that because they, so they can do sports or no? Oh, uh, no, I think like just, just, <laughs> the, just it's the hours. That's the hours. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. God. Good for yeah. them. We'd only be sent home if it was raining <laughs> through, through the hole in the roof. <laughs> Uh, and someone says we went to see Bo I, 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 did you see this Chris we went to see Bo was afraid during the week some funny moments but my god what an absolute load of self-indulgent bull only good thing about it was its spot on betrayal of LA as a crime ridden hellhole which anyone who's been there uh, will have seen all thanks to Sean's friend the, the US Democrats who run California says James god James packed a lot in there I, I that's, that, that, that was some review I haven't seen Bo was afraid yet I do like Ari Aster's other films Midsommar yeah. and uh, Hereditary uh, yeah. freaked the hell out of me uh, but what What's not to like about Wacky and Phoenix having, you know, a breakdown over three hours? Yeah, apparently he's very good. Oh, yeah, yeah I'd say I, so. Yeah. I'd say, well, anything that's three hours long, you have to say, well, did you really need that last hour? But yeah, I'll report back once I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Right, and so they've, uh, is it they've uh, announced the lineup for this Amazon comedy? For LOL. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a new show on Amazon Prime called LOL. It stands for Last One uh, Laughing. So this is a format that's been on Prime for the last few years. It's actually been done in loads of other countries, but this is the, it's based in Ireland. It's the Irish version of it. So the idea is really funny. They basically get a bunch of comedians into a room together. I think it's for like a day. And the whole gag is, is that they have to make the other comedians laugh. And apparently they can do this. It says by any means, but like, I assume you can't go up and start like tickling someone under the arm or something. <laughs> I assume you're supposed to be telling your, your jokes basically. And the whole idea is if, if you don't laugh for the whole day, you're the winner and money gets donated to your chosen charity, which I think it's a lovely premise. Uh, so they've announced the lineup for the Irish version. It's being hosted by Graham Norton, which is pretty exciting. Um, and the comedians they have are uh, Jason Byrne with Ashling B, Tony Cantwell, Emma Dorn, Amy Huberman um, and a couple more as well. So I think it sounds like it's going to be a bit... I think the whole format of the show is a nice idea. Um, it was done in the States. Rebel Wilson hosted it. Trevor Noah's going to do one in South Africa. So this is a format. It's a format. Yeah. And I feel like they're going to do it um, absolutely everywhere. But I think it's a really, it's a clever idea. I think it could be a bit of crack. It's like Big Brother, but for one day with comedians. 
That's essentially yeah. what it is. The thing is, though, is that when they'll all start fake laughing at each other's jokes, because ultimately it's a fairly small, especially in Ireland, it's such a small pool of people. But they're not, you, they're not supposed you, to laugh. I know they're not supposed to yeah, laugh. Okay. But like, if they don't, <laughs> at the end of it, like Jason, Jason Burns saying to Emma Dorn, you didn't laugh once at any of my stuff. Oh, that's true. Yeah, You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And they'll be like, be <laughs> forevermore after that. So this could know? potentially be, we could see Irish comedians all fall out with each other. That would be oh, that would be that fascinating. Would be, be is there a section in where they start bitching at each other for not laughing? I hope that, so. That would be good. I think like so. Apparently, if you giggle like a little bit, like ha ha, then you get like a, re- a yellow card, and then if you do a big laugh, that's when you get the red card, and you're kind of sent into the room with Graham Norton basically to watch the others. I like I okay. don't know. Do you, yeah. remember, do you remember when Joey from Friends got a gig presenting a show that was far too complicated? Bamboozled. Oh, yes. Well, yeah. I'm getting bamboozled vibes off, lol. Yeah. To be honest, if you have to explain it that much, you know. It's it's, That's true. it's not yeah. a lol. I yeah. did one season. I I presented a, a, a quiz on on Virgin Media. I think it was TV three when I did it, but uh, it probably was called okay. Crossfire. And they, uh, it was like basically most of the people who took part in it were had been doing you know uh, there were quizzers, so they knew their stuff. And but the questions were so easy. It was what well, the complicated. Nobody understood the rules, including me. <laughs> I just. <laughs> I just read stuff out uh, and you've wow. been caught in the crossfire. I remember having to say that repeatedly, but I have no idea why. And they had no idea either. Most of the time, like, oh, I lost that one, did I? Oh, sorry. Wow. Uh, How many series was there? Only just one. the one. Just yeah, the yeah. one. Just uh, the one. Just I'm going to need to see recordings. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have any. I think they've been, you know. Burned. I had them all, had them all <laughs> burned. Disappeared mysteriously. Uh, uh, right. Okay. Let's have our first beer of the day. Dave. Okay. So the first beer, it is Moosehead Small Batch Oatmeal Brown Ale. Moosehead is the uh, largest independent brewery in Canada so there are two other breweries that are owned by the big boys and these guys are owned by the fifth generation of a uh, brewing family uh, it was originally set up by Susanna Oland uh, now they've started doing a range of small batch beers uh, just different styles and they're doing a really really good job in it uh, this one is an oatmeal brown ale which is quite an unusual style you don't normally see uh, brown ales now in terms of oats um, it's an ingredient that comes up every now and then, um, but it's not a very common ingredient. Um, what happens when you use oats in the brewing of beer is that it gives the beer a slightly more creamy texture. Mm-hmm. Um, so it softens the beer. And it's like if you think of, of making porridge, that like if you make porridge with water, that the oats make the porridge more creamy, even though it's just water that's being used in it. It's a, a similar effect with it. Uh, the um, When they're using oats, they also use malted barley. And in the case of uh, this beer, because it's a brown ale, they use a range of different dark uh, um, dark malted barleys. So you get uh, toffee, caramel, uh, chocolate, coffee. Um, with the coffee, there's a bit of espresso coffee, but then when you get the creaminess of the oats, it kind of comes through as a kind of a cappuccino type uh, coffee flavour and a bit of kind of cocoa powder type flavours but when you chill it down I was uh, tasting it uh, for notes uh, quite warm and uh, that softens and smooths it a lot when you chill it down it, it's quite a refreshing beer it's unusual in how refreshing it is giving, given how dark it is a very respectable 5.7% ABV I'm going easy on you for the first one mm. um, you know it's um, a little bit above uh, average but not a, a crazy strength 
And uh, kind of a nice, quick, easy finish, and just a little bit of lingering of the dark malt in the background. Yeah, it's, it's not, it, it doesn't have much of a head in it, but is that like it's not supposed to? It's, really? Yeah, it, it well, it depends. Um, I poured it when we kind of started out, but as you as you pour it a little bit more, it'll kind of develop a head. Uh, the yeah. head and beer usually um, will last for in the region of sixty to ninety seconds. Oh, uh, really? All right, it, yeah. okay. Oh, yeah. um, it tends to if it's a if it's a nitrogenated head, if it's a creamy head like on a Guinness, it'll last for quite some. Yeah. Sometime, but uh, generally about 60 to 90 seconds. Yeah, because yeah. brown ale, I only think of like, you know, fellas in peak caps in the north of England. Yep. Uh, um, <laughs> leave their sheepdog outside when they go in for a brown ale. Uh, um, do, do we drink much brown ale in this country? Not a huge amount. Now, you would have um, brown ales that would fit into other styles. So in England, uh, the style that's called mild, which is effectively a session porter, if you like, mm. um, that was uh, the biggest style in the UK going back into the 40s, 50s. It like there was a huge amount of mild being sold, but it's just entirely fallen by the wayside. The, the brown ale that I was given for my exam back long, many years ago, um, they actually got from America because even though the guy who was doing the exam, he couldn't find an English brown ale. So he, he got one from Brooklyn and, and brought it on. But yeah, in terms of oats as well, like they, they sometimes use them in, um, like you'll get oatmeal stouts. We've got an imperial oatmeal stout uh, coming up afterwards. Um, but sometimes in pale beers. So um, a beer that you can't get in Ireland, to the best of my uh, knowledge, uh, but Bellsbury in Kalamazoo, um, they have a 7.2% IPA uh, called Bell's Two-Hearted and they use oats in the... Um, beer but it's a, a pale beer and it's interesting because the pale is quite easy drinking and the oats really soften out the flavour and then they put a huge amount of hop flavour on top of it so you get a kind of really soft foundation of flavour and then all that hops on top um, it's it's mm. one that I went through in quite an amount of detail I did a training course in Chicago where they decided to use Bell's Two Hearted as the base beer and we went through 50 samples a day for three days um, and, oh god well as long as you remembered everything uh, that's the main so thing much, right? yeah. <laughs> oh no I remember that why do you have your shirt off dear uh, alright so which uh, which one would you like to first Chris we'll go under the sea the little mermaid the, the little mermaid right the little mermaid coming up after this the sewage so here's the deal I'll whip up a little potion to make you human for three days got that three days before the sun sets on the third day, you and Princey must share a kiss. And not just any kiss. The kiss of true love. <laughs> if you do, you will remain human permanently. But if you don't, you'll turn back into a mermaid. And you belong to me. There you go. It's the uh, that's the Little Mermaid. Very echoey underwater. Chris. Very echoey. Yeah. Yeah. Makes no sense. No. I tried too hard to think about the signs involved <laughs> yes. in this film, and my brain nearly <laughs> fell out of my ears. Yeah, there's an awful lot going on here. It's another Disney live-action remake. Uh, these things are going to keep coming, you know, to cinemas and Disney Plus until we stop watching them. I don't think we will stop watching them, or, you know, the audiences that are into them. Um, some of them that have gone into the cinemas have crossed the billion-dollar mark, uh, so maybe that's why we, we keep getting them. Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King took, like, $1.5 billion. Um, others, we've had a few recently, like uh, Robert Zemecki's Pinocchio. We've had David Lowry's uh, Peter Pan film. They've all gone to the streaming service. But given the talent involved in this, Rob Mar- 
Marshall's directing. Halle Bailey is in there. Javier Bardem, Melissa McCarthy. Obviously, The Little Mermaid goes to cinemas. And I'm sure mm. as well that the makers will want to kind of, you know, look, they spent an absolute fortune on it. They'll want to, you know, get some of that back in, in box office receipts. So in terms of story, it's the same almost as the 1989 cartoon. It's also inspired by the Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale. You know the gist. You have a mermaid in this case a teenager portrayed by Halle Bailey she's obsessed with the surface world uh, her dad King Triton of Atlantica he says no humans are wretched wicked creatures they're not to be trifled with but we have a film to be getting on with so trifle she does um, and she one day rescues this uh, royal cocky prince Prince Eric played by Jonah Howard King from a shipwreck and he gets a glimpse of her and before he passes out and he thinks I'm in love and so he dedicates his life trying to find this mermaid then the little mermaid thinks I don't want to go to the surface world anymore just have a life I want to go up there and you know live with Prince Eric so as you heard in the clip there there's a you know a deal struck with the you know Aunt Ursula she uses her voice gets her leg she goes up to the surface world and all hell breaks loose yeah so, so it's same exactly the same. It is, but this the film from the eight, eight, 1989 was 80 minutes long. This thing is 135, 140 minutes long. <laughs> what so extra bit? <laughs> I, I, like, what, what have you added on here? How did, how did you get nearly in, in, like 50 more minutes out of this? I'm not quite sure. The whole time I was watching it, I was thinking, what is the point of these films? Mm. And I don't think there is a point because you have, you know, all the classic cartoons that are mentioned, they're full of wit and wonder and whimsy and they're just joyful to watch, you know. Some yeah. of them are quite problematic in the storytelling department. Yeah, sure. And, you know, could do with maybe an upgrade. But the upgrades that we're getting, they're not really, they're not done in an, in an inventive or, or, or clever way. So, and they seem to have been stripped of the vibrancy and the colour and the charisma and the charm. So again, what what's the point? And The Little Mermaid is probably one of the worst that I've seen. It hires, now whatever, like Melissa McCarthy brilliantly cast as, as Ursula. She's having so much fun with that character. And if everyone else in this film had as much fun as Melissa McCarthy does, it would be a much better film because she's coming at it the same way the cartoon makers in the 80s came at it, which is that Ursula was inspired by you know a drag queen and let's be as camp and as cheesy as possible with this mm. everyone else is playing it straight which yeah. is a shame yeah. um, everyone except actually for Halle Bailey too so it's Halle Bailey and Melissa McCarthy are delivering great performances Halle Bailey you might remember um, when news of this film when this film was announced and when the casting was announced she was the subject of this despicable racist backlash you know you had just absolute morons online saying you know not my Ariel and Ariel can't be African American and yeah. the mermaid yeah. has to be white that is a load of bull and she rises above that and also delivers you know one of the steadier performances in the film and it helps too that she has the she has the pipe she has an awesome vocal that you know that, that she's able for the big songs involved here so songs are fine we have some new ones by Lin-Manuel Miranda aka Mr. Hamilton, uh, those performances, everything else, not good enough. Uh, the effects, it's quite horrible to look at at times. It's caught between this weird photorealism and the cartoon kind of uh, oddness of the, of, of the force. And what I mean by that is they've gone so far out of their way to make the fish look real, but then maybe at some point thought, oh no, the fish have to be cute. We'll, we'll just put lips on flounder. <laughs> <laughs> And so whenever Flounder talks, you're thinking, these, why does he look so terrifying? This is this is not good. Um, you also have, you know, I, I, you know... I don't know why when you said that, I, yeah. I just had this flash of David Cameron and that weird club yeah. he was a member of in, no, when he was just, on Oxford. You, you just know? made him more terrifying. And the 
Mine. Pig. Uh, uh, so. Oh, God. Oh, oh, God. Yeah. oh, God, no. That's Is it worse. a bit like the Cats movie and like, you know, that weird half human, half cat, uh, like, just not realistic? I don't know, whereas Cats continues to haunt my dreams, I yeah. think this thing I just forgot about while I was watching it. Okay. Uh, so it's not uh, quite as terrifying. Right. And I should say, too, you've got Javier Bardem, who I will watch in anything. There are seashells on King Triton's you know, throne that, you know, deliver a livelier performance than Javier Bardem does. I do not know how an actor of his calibre is incapable of just pretending that he's a king for two hours. That's what he acting is. terrible here. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. Most of his scenes require him to kind of talk to, you know, this CGI crab that's not there and you think, oh, Javier, that should be no bother to him. No, you can tell that he's acting against nothing. You know, he looks dead inside. He looks as though maybe he hasn't slept for a few weeks. Oh, wow. It is awful. And also, the chap who's playing... um Prince Eric, Yona Hara King. I would like to see him in a different performance. I would like to, you know, give, I'll, give, I'll, give him him a, I'll give him a chance in a drama. But here, he's lost. He does that thing, Sean. You know, in musicals, whenever uh, in screen musicals, whenever the performer keeps closing their eyes, you can tell they're uncomfortable. They don't know what to do. Whereas when you watch Halle Bailey, she is giving it her all and she's comfortable in front of the camera. Mm. So those performances are great. Everything else is just very watery. Well, that's very interesting about the closing the eyes. I must look out for yeah, that. Yeah, it, I mean, it's fine once or twice, but if a musical performer keeps on doing it and it's kind of spinning around while they're doing it, you can tell there's a little bit of self-consciousness there. You know, they're a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I'm probably being Stop a bit too hard. I'm probably being people. a bit too hard on the fellow, but closed eyes and musical is not great. Yeah. No. Could it be, you know, they're like since the pandemic yep. and, and, you know, they wanted people to go back to, to cinemas and perhaps the, 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 majority, the return to cinemas has been mostly kids really rather than people going to see grown up uh, uh, films because grown ups have got used to watching it on streaming services and so that's where the money's to be made therefore they need to keep cranking out these kids films maybe although to that 2023 has been unusually short on kids films uh, I know oh. we've had the usual comic book stuff but you know other than let's say Puss in Boots and Super Mario Brothers like that's that's better I don't actually, that, and, you, and you raise an important point actually point, I don't really yeah. know who this thing is for is this for fans of the original? You know, are we getting all these Disney re- remakes for 30 and 40 year olds who grew up with the cartoons and want to see them? Oh, maybe. Like yeah. that? But but that would be me. I grew up with the cartoons and I don't want this stuff. Um, yeah. So I would love to see Disney just deliver an original story. Yeah. Just to go back to make, you know, just do something fresh. Stop remaking your films. All this looks like and sounds like is a copy of someone else's work. And that's not good enough for Disney. Yeah. Uh, I'm in Tesco trying to decide between three Jamesons, Stout Edition, IPA or Cold Brew. Urgent expert advice required. Dean. <laughs> to get all three. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, I'm guessing you, the man on the radio told me to buy all of them there. <laughs> that won't really wash that well. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've tasted a few of them, but I haven't, I haven't done a kind of a vertical tasting of the um, the gem stouts. They're using uh, casks, uh, the um, company that uh, makes Jemison Pernod Ricard um, has taken over 8 Degrees Brewing. And uh, part of the reason for it was that they literally could not get enough uh, beer-tempered casks uh, to use for the Jemison cask uh, se- uh, series. So they were brewing beer like crazy just to put it into casks so that they conditioned the cask so that they could use it for, for Jemison. It's been hugely right. successful. Okay, so you're not going to get off that fence about uh, <laughs> the Jemisons. Okay. I'd, I'd, I'd go for the coffee. Okay, I'd, yeah, go yeah. for the coffee. He's you never drunk like coffee. coffee in his life. <laughs> what? Uh, um, this, uh, Dean was actually telling this in the, he's never drunk coffee in his life. Never Yet every, every week he's coffee. in here like, this tastes of coffee. Yeah. I, 
as you know. Um, Yorkshire Bob in County Roscommon says, whoa, you're forgetting the excellent Newcastle brown ale. Uh, yes, which, uh, absolutely. I think that's been yeah. around for a while. Yep. Or that's, yep. you know, well, that's, uh, that was a, a QI question. Um, no, what was it? The top three exports from Newcastle uh, were coal, uh, beer and uh, piss. Uh, so the question really? was, why do people take the piss out of Newcastle? Yeah. And the reason was that you use urine at the time, going back a few hundred years, uh, as an ingredient for dye. And they used to use it to dye uh, policemen's uniforms. What? Wow. Yeah. Most random fact that's, I've ever that's heard. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Where did they get the urine? Like, was there a place where you could donate? It or was, did they yeah, just have everything was... tubed up to a central location? <laughs> yeah. we went with a jar and looking for donations. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, Jameson Stout is far better than IPA, uh, someone's texted in to say. Jameson Black Barrel all the way, uh, and that comes from Irish dis- uh, distillers expert, uh, okay. says Niall. Uh, uh, one for the beer dude, I had man's brown ale in Liverpool, and it's the opposite end of the scale to Imperial Stouts and high ABV brown beers. Lots of locals drank it early in the day as an eye-opener due to only 2.9%, but it drank really well despite this. Yeah, like ironically, the kind of description that I gave of a, a guy kind of out with a scythe in a in a in a field. Um, a lot of the beers in England, mild was another beer that was relatively low in ABV, and the logic of it was that uh, if people were drinking during the day at lunchtime, uh, that if they were working in the fields, they were still lucid and able to to continue working. Also, um, there's a, a kind of a magic figure figure of two point eight percent ABV. Um, beer is uh, diuretic, which basically means that it uh, dehydrates you by causing you to want to go to the toilet. I seem to be talking about urine. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> a thing. Um, and the way it works is that your body, your, your interoception system in your body tells you that your blad- bladder is full and then you go to the toilet. But uh, alcohol is both analgesic hence, and an understanding. Hence Newcastle being the world leading expert. <laughs> yes. it, all, it all makes sense now. Uh, and in that show you were telling us about Rachel, lol, uh, someone says, so let me get this right. Right. A comedy show full of comedians in a competition, and the one who wins is the miserable one who doesn't laugh at all. Is that right? That's pretty much that, spot on. You actually, that's, yeah. I was struggling to summarize it. You just nailed it. Yeah, so well, well done. done. Is, he, is this a, is that person hired by that show? Yeah, it, yeah. show? <laughs> yes, it sounds really yeah. good. Checks in the post. Right, so Rebel Wilson is going to make uh, her directorial debut. She is, and I'm actually surprised it's taken her so long to do this. Um, she is directing her first movie. You'll be shocked to know it's a musical comedy. which is basically all Rebel Wilson's movies. Uh, It's going to be called Deb and that is short for um, debutante and it's all about a debutante ball in the outback in Australia and it's kind of following um, a young teenager who's, you know, waiting for her moment to make her mark and it's all a big build up to the debutante ball and can she do it and all the rest. Uh, So this project kind of, like it's not in production I think but the project debuted at the Cannes Film Festival where apparently they hired a yacht and they took all these uh, financiers and stuff on the yacht and they did some of the dances for them and the songs which sounds weird. They haven't made the movie yet, but anyway. Well, they're looking for the money to they're, make the Yeah, movie, well, clearly. that's it. They did a dance for some money. Um, but yeah, so Rebel, she's produced a lot of movies now over the last few years. She produced um, Senior Year. I don't know if you saw that. It was on, I think it was on Netflix about two years ago. 
It was really good. It was very, very good. And apparently lots of people have wanted her direct, to direct for a very long time. But she's kind of saying, I'd only do it for a project I was really passionate about. So apparently this is uh, the movie. And, you know, musical comedies are her thing. She's been on the set of a lot of musical comedy musicals. So she knows what she's doing, basically. And uh, it's going into production in September. So... I yeah. think it'll be fun. I really And no one's ever her. made a musical comedy about going to a debutante's ball before. That's really no. unexplored territory. I'd like to yeah. see, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I'd like to really? see it set in Ireland, the Debs yeah. instead of Deb. I'd watch that. <laughs> that would be more fun. I would enjoy yeah. that. You could like have spring break at it and uh, Scott of the place would drink and argue. Uh, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, I'm really looking forward to Scorsese's The Killers of the Flower Moon yeah. and Oppenheimer, but both are well over three hours. Why does everything need to be so long these days? What happened to the 90 minute thrillers that used to be made all the time in the 90s? There are a few directors, I think Nolan, probably Scorsese, Tarantino. I'd say that there is a handful of directors that I will let away with three hour films because they give us films only, you know, every maybe four or five years yeah. but Scorsese is about three and a half hours long Oppenheimer you should know opens the same weekend as Barbie wow that's going to be a pricey weekend yeah. the, the yeah. difficulty for people choosing between them Which, or, yeah because yeah. yeah. they're so similar thematically <laughs> one of the thought a lot of life, life lessons there right you are listening to the Moncrief show on News Talk we do have to take a break back in a couple of minutes you are listening to the Moncrief Show on Newstalk. Our uh, WhatsApp number is 87 50 grand in the cash machine today. Let's find out, did someone pick up the phone? News Talk's Cash Machine. Hello there, it's Ray Foley here with your Friday afternoon cash machine call. And what a day Lizzie Lira had yesterday. She received a call on the cash machine and she won a massive, life-changing amount of cash. Still celebrating in Wexford today as we head into the weekend. Let's make someone else's Friday afternoon. So, if this is you we're calling, we need to know today's cash machine winning total. And you must answer within five rings. One ring. Two rings. Three rings. Four rings. Five rings. Oh, and there you have it. Five rings and no answer on the cash machine this afternoon. Someone, sadly, has missed out on an expensive missed call of €50,552.00 and 38 cent which means we roll over if you're in since 5 o'clock yesterday afternoon you're still in to win but you will need that new cash machine total listen to the hard shoulder just after 5pm to hear that new cash amount and we could be calling you News Talk's Cash Machine there you go so if you entered for the cash machine today and you do have a missed call on your phone loser Kieran will have the new total uh, you can tune in for that for, to add to your heartbreak uh, during uh, the hard shoulder uh, tell us about our second beer uh, we, are, we already took a sip of this during the uh, um, during the break everyone yes. got a bit chattier uh, <laughs> than normal uh, this is 13% 13.4 yeah uh, percent. that 0.4 is important it is yes. 0.4 because if it was 13 it might just be a little bit thin but the 0.4 yeah. gives it gives the it an extra that it needs just yeah. to, to finish it off yet yeah. Ilchie Lekkerbeckske Kobe Imperial 
oatmeal, oatmeal, coffee, bourbon, stout. Uh, wow. Which I did before I started tasting it to tell you what it tastes like. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, described on the uh, label as the everlasting gobstopper of stouts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know even what that means. Yeah, ju- just uh, like flavour coming after flavour. You've got marzipan, vanilla, honey. There's coffee in it. There's a range of different coffee oh, flavours. Espresso coffee, um, uh, coffee grounds. Um, you've got uh, uh, vanilla, honey, sweet popcorn. Uh, bourbon, there's a kind of a toffee smokiness to it. Um, the initial flavour of it, uh, it's we're, we're serving it in a, a snifter glass, which is basically a cognac yeah. or a brandy glass. Um, and you get a, an immediate kind of uh, a spirit burn, you know, almost like drinking a, a, a sip of a shot of whiskey. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Once you've, you've got that, then the, the richness of the, the beer comes through. And as you taste it, there's just more and more and more and more flavour. It, it's an oatmeal beer, so it's got that kind of creamy oatiness um, in the base of the beer. But there is so much other stuff going on around that it's like, you know, dimension number 14 out of, of, of like... There is. There's almost too much going on, really. Yeah, I, I, I love it. but. Yeah. Um, uh, now, probably you can say maybe on a day where it isn't like 47 degrees, degrees outside. outside yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is, yeah, but it, I, I see it is interesting that you put it in a sniffer glass or like what you might, people might often have brandy in because it's kind of that's it's, how, you drink it like you drink brandy. Yeah, yeah, I am working to get people to understand to slow down and enjoy your drink rather than feeling you have to scull things back. And when you put it into a glass like that, you naturally yeah. slow down and sip it. And mm. it's, it's a, a, a beer yeah, to sip. I, I don't yeah. think you could though, just like scull it back. No. Really. That's no, right. no, you'd be in trouble. It's yeah. intense. It's a very yeah. intense drink. It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's like you get that they're kind of uh, um, uh, Maria or Kahlua flavors mm. as well. Yeah. You and know. making a thirteen percent is that deliberate or oh, just happened that way? It, yeah, no. Uh, uh, the it's it gets quite tricky as you get up to to that level because as uh, yeast produces alcohol. Uh, the alcohol is poisonous to the yeast. So it's producing something and then that thing is uh, making it very difficult for the yeast to survive. So you need a, an alcohol-resistant yeast to uh, ah. allow you to bring the alcohol up to that level. But yeah, no, it's like it's designed to be a kind of almost a, a, a spirity and, and uh, aged with bourbon as well. So, um, mm. it, you know, you get that kind of spirit character as well for the kind of the, the oaky, woody, vanilla, um, uh, caramel, toastiness. Yeah, and there is a kind of a... Afterwards, there's a kind of almost like like warm warming aspect to it, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, as you might get yeah. uh, from uh, from a whiskey of some sort. Right, we'll move on to our second movie of the day. It is Hypnotic. Here's a clip. What makes four total strangers pull off an elaborate bank heist on a whim? I'm guessing you're going to say Lebdell, right? Why don't you tell me who he is? What does he have on these people? Are you familiar with the concept of hypnotic constructs? <laughs> Come on. First, it's uh, fortune telling, hypnosis. It's not hypnosis. Hypnotics have abilities far beyond anything we have a name for. Hypnotics? People with the ability to actually influence the brain over a psychic bandwidth. Like telepathy? Telepaths just read the mind. Hypnotics reshape its reality. The guy at the bank. You said he spoke four words to a woman in shin dressed. Because she was in on it. No. Those were cues. Sound, voice, locking eyes. Hypnotics use them to make you see a version of the world that doesn't exist. Your behavior conforms with this hypnotic construct. So everything that you see and do feels perfectly normal. 
How is it that you know so much about these hypnotics? Because I am one. It's interesting they, they chose to release a clip that isn't, you know, filled with drama or, or you know, poignancy, but just the clip that explains the entire film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it sounds like uh, it was recorded at the initial script rehearsal or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's uh, like yeah. elevator pitch yeah. for the movie. They, and they got, they, ben released, Affleck. Yeah. they got Ben Affleck straight off the Batman set as well. Yeah. His voice is still yeah. uh, very unusual. This uh, actually opened in America a few weeks back and directed by Robert Rodriguez, who gave us, you know, the original Mexico trilogy from Dust Till Dawn. First time working with Ben Affleck and it is now the worst uh, uh, commercial uh, in in terms of its uh, its its box office opening, the the biggest failure of Rodriguez's career and Affleck's. It had the worst opening in their you know oh, in their gosh. careers. Um, so that's not a great start. No, um, but I don't know how much of the plot you can get there. But basically, Ben Affleck is playing this hardened Austin police detective. He lost his daughter three years previously. Um, you know, her abduction has just kind of you know it's it, it, it's killed him. You know, he they've never been able to 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 find her. You know, she just disappeared without a trace one day, and he decides after three years. It's time to go back to work. On his first day back, himself and his partner received this anonymous tip off that a local bank is going to be robbed. They arrived, they, you know, begin a, a stakeout and they see this stranger portrayed by William Fickner, who, you know, the, the American character actor, every time you see this guy show up in something, you think he's shady. He's about to do something. <laughs> um, and he shows up at the bank, they're watching him and he starts talking to bank tellers, security guards outside, strangers. And every time he says something to them, it's almost as though they're falling under his spell. Um, and a bank robbery doesn't ensue. Instead, you have this detective, Danny Rourke, follows your man in, loses him, go, is, is, is drawn to this safety de- deposit box, safe deposit box. And inside that safe deposit box in this bank that, you know, this police officer should never have been in in the first place is a photograph of his missing daughter. So uh-huh. I could go into the rest of the story, but let's just say that the person who makes the tip off was the person you heard in the clip there. She is a fortune teller. She is actually a hypnotic. These are powerful hypnotists who were part of some sort of top secret government division thing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where they were training people to read other people's minds. They'd use them for whatever nefarious purpose. And this detective who's trying to find his daughter is drawn into the world. And all of this might have something to do with his daughter's disappearance. That is basically everything that happens in the first 20 minutes. What happens okay. after that? So you're setting up a, a weird, uh, 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 you know, police thriller and that eventually devolves into this dodgy, uh, also deceitful sci-fi that just keeps trying to outsmart itself, keeps trying to outtwist itself. And I was exhausted watching it. Um, I do think it's great that Ben Affleck, uh, and this actually arrives on the back of, uh, I think it's only been five or six weeks since the last Ben Affleck film was out air, which mm. which was terrific. Yeah. This one, not so much. But I do think it's great that he did at least try to do something original. You know, I was saying with, with The Little Mermaid, why do we keep needing, you know, sequels and remakes? This is an original blockbuster for yeah. a movie star like Ben Affleck. We need more of that, but we don't need more films like this one. Uh, and it's a shame, too, because Robert Rodriguez, the filmmaker who has done some great things, he actually says that he wrote the screenplay for this 20 years ago and he's just been sitting on it. Oh. And for whatever reason, and, and for, I don't know why yeah, he's well, been sitting like on that, it. Well, that's crap. You've just been sitting on it. That's true. Yeah. 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 It's unfortunate, though, that in those 20 years, you've had someone like, and I mentioned him earlier, Chris Nolan doing bigger and better things with similar ideas. Mm. So this all, almost feels like Robert Rodriguez sat down one night, watched Memento, watched Inception afterwards and said, I can do that. And you're thinking to yourself, no, you can't, pal. You can't. Yeah. And can it's, such a, it's such a yeah. shame. Yeah. It's convoluted. It's, you know, it's, it's far too, you know, it's, it's, it thinks it's, it, I think it thinks it's an awful lot cleverer than it, than, than it is. Uh, the twists are outrageous. And just poor Ben Affleck. I know I said, you know, it's great to see him do original projects like this. 
But he can't hide when he's disinterested in the dialogue that he's speaking. He just can't. <laughs> he's got but it's no... like acting. It's literally his job. Uh, but this guy, yeah. when this guy's not acting, doesn't he play poker? Isn't he a professional poker face? Well, is he? Is he yeah. a professional poker oh, face? I think he? so, I yeah, yeah. But he's got a terrible poker face. He, you, you can always tell when his soul is dying and it just, it dies over and over again in this film. Oh God. But so. he's a bit like that in real life. He's always so grumpy looking. Do you see him with J-Lo on the red carpet and he looks upset. Do you really constantly. think so? I think they were just having a basic conversation about which way they were going there and it looked like they were having an argument. But there's been a couple. There was a video a few weeks ago where he allegedly uh, slammed a door in her face. Oh, I think he was annoyed at the, pap- I the think paparazzi. It was, oh, I thought I thought you were going to say because the movie, uh, the ratings came in and they were yeah, terrible. My, maybe that's why he was annoyed. Uh, maybe, yeah, yeah. I don't know, but any clip that I've seen of the two of them supposedly fighting, I'm thinking, I think maybe he's annoyed at the re- person who's recording them. Yeah, but again, it's maybe, it's no, but maybe he has resting bitch face yes. or the male because occur- uh, I have a friend resting who's like, Face, yeah. Like if his face is just resting, people are saying to him, "What?" Yeah, yeah. And he's going, "Nothing. This is just the way I look." My face is stuck. Yeah, but like the point is, he's an actor. Surely he could cover that up with, you know, acting. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, don't I said, know. I think he just something happens whenever he makes a bad film, like those Batman films, where he thinks, "Oh no." Yeah. What have I done? And he can't yeah. hide it. He looked disappointed and he need a mask on for that one. <laughs> uh, thank you all for coming in. Dean, Chris and Rachel. That's our lot uh, uh, for today. Our production team today, Emily Keegan, Ashling Moore, Michael Quilligan and Sinead Keogh. Kieran's up next on News Talk. We'll talk to you on Monday at two o'clock. Have a lovely weekend. Movies and booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer. They're gonna make me a dining off her account perfumes. A martini, shaken, not stirred. Of all the gin joints in all the world, she walks into mine. <laughs>